pastor type person, I get a lot of hard questions. Uh, But the hardest questions that I get are no doubt the questions that I get from kids. Um, Questions like, does God have email? Right? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, God, I guess technically, like, God probably reads all the email, but doesn't respond. And so, really, we're all a little bit like God sometimes, I think. <laughs> a favorite around my world is, is this one uh, Are there Legos in heaven? Is, a, is an important question. And then my follow up question is uh, Yeah, but in, in heaven, do the Legos pick themselves up? Because that's the only way I'm going to heaven if there's Legos there. Uh, so, also this summer, I was teaching kids Sunday school and and uh, I, was, I was there to be the, the guest expert and all. And they wanted me to tell the story of Noah's Ark. And so I, I tell like the traditional myth of, of, of two by two and, and big flood and all. And when I finished up, one of the kid's hands goes up and asks, um, what about all the animals that lived in the water? And I, I just like stared at them. Because I'd never thought of that before. I didn't know what to say. I just, uh, come to think of it, that was the last time I was invited to be a guest expert <laughs> at kids' Sunday school. Apparently the kids have the expert part all taken care of. But that feeling of just sort of like wide-eyed mind-blowingness is one I get to experience around my own life in my own house daily with the questions in my family. And I'm pretty sure that it serves me right. My mom tells me that my first word when I was a kid was, Why? So, yeah, um, just kind of how I'm wired, I guess. And I try to take the questions that I'm asked and the question that I have seriously. I always have. Uh, but for a lot of my life, in my, in my kind of faith journey, and particularly as a pastor-type person, I, I felt a lot of pressure to have an answer. Uh, an answer answer. An answer that holds up logically and also holds up to the logic of five-year-olds, too. Um, an answer. Because it seemed like for me growing up, that's what faith was. Uh, you were supposed to be answer people, uh, not question people. Faith was this mental assent to a set of theological propositions, this, this list of claims about God and Jesus and dinosaurs and stuff. And, and to have faith meant to believe this list and to try really hard not to doubt. And so there's a lot of weight on the answers because there comes this season in your life when if you grew up in that kind of a vision of things and there's this moment where the answers aren't enough those seasons when you can't wrap your head around it or life gets complex or something happens in our lives that brings big questions and in those moments it can feel that faith that's built only on answers can be hard to hold together but take heart because that's never been the heart of God. And that's never been the story of what it means to be in this faith journey. It's not the way of life and faith that Jesus invited us to. God's heart is one that invites us to seek, to examine, to question. In Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen, the prophet speaks this for the heart of God. Seek me and you will find me. It says. It's this invitation to this seeking that leads us beyond where we are today, beyond pat answers to a dynamic faith that's found in seeking and growing and journeying and, and in every step knowing that we are invited by the heart of God, that even before we begin to seek that we are loved and we're accepted, period. And that every step of your journey, especially the uncertain ones, you are right where you need to be because God is a God who invites us to seek 
And in fact, those questions, that curiosity, that soul that seeks for more and longs for a life of flourishing, those things themselves are the thumbprints of a God who loves you, who shapes you, knows you, and calls you to be who you are, and who invites you on this essential journey of seeking and maybe finding, of belonging and becoming. And what we find on this journey so often is that there is faith in the seeking. And so it shouldn't surprise us that over and over and over again, when we see Jesus, Jesus is inviting us not just to answers, but on a journey. The invitation over and over was simple and dynamic. It was, follow me. Come with me on this journey, and let's see what we find along the way. It was this dynamic, transformative journey of seeking and seeing, of questioning and questing, of growing and becoming and seeking and maybe even finding along the way. And that journey was the Jesus way. Like this one time, some folks asked Jesus a simple question, Rabbi, so oh, one with all the answers, Rabbi, where do you live? Like, where are you staying? And Jesus responds like this, come and see. (laughs) Jesus can't even answer like, where do you live without inviting people on this dynamic journey to discover for themselves, right? Because it knows like questions lead us on a quest, And quests take us beyond where we are today. Statements of faith are static, but questions of faith are dynamic. As our friend, the poet Celia Williamson says, so I choose to let the questions work their power in me. And the power so often is that when we seek, and we let those questions work in us, they take us beyond where we are today. And what we find is something far beyond any answer we could have imagined. And so now, I'm trying to, trying to take that Jesus way seriously when, I, when kids ask me questions. So recently, I was listening to a podcast with uh, the author, Cindy Wayne Brandt, who wrote a book called Parenting Forward, Raising Kids with Justice, Mercy, and Kindness. And she was on this podcast talking about raising kids in the faith without fundamentalism. And she said, you know, as, as a parent or someone who's interacting with kids, It's always okay to share what you think with them. It's okay to have thoughts. They have thoughts, too. And so instead, invite them into a journey of recognizing their thoughts and exploring their questions of faith. Don't show them that they don't have to be afraid of having questions or of having thoughts. And so she says like this, you know, the next time a kid asks you or someone asks you, you know, are there Legos in heaven, which is a daily question, say something like this. You know, a lot of people have different ideas about that. Some say yes, some say no. Personally, for me, I like to think that there are, because Legos bring joy and creativity, and I think that's what God is all about. That's what I think about that. What do you think about it? And let those questions do their work in all of us. So for some of us, this is liberating. For others of us, um, it's terrifying because we need some clarity (laughs) in this. When we go on a journey, we open Siri and Google Maps and Waze because we need to know absolutely certainly that we're on the right path. Well, Jesus offers life for both kinds of folks. Uh, He invited us on a journey, but not without a compass. Uh, The journey, no matter how twisty and turny, was headed in one direction toward one center and one center of gravity. And he said everything hangs on. All faith and life center around one thing. Our journeys are pointed in one direction. 
toward love of God, love of neighbor, love of yourself. And so this journey of faith should head in that direction wherever else it goes. We should be seeking love to grow in love of God and neighbor and ourselves. That's the heart of our faith and the heart that we will find when we're seeking. And any answer that we find along the way should align with love and push us further. And that thought in his day, and I think even in ours, was revolutionary. For those around Jesus, they watched Jesus embody this on his journey. He related to people like love was the most important thing between them. He welcomed the outcasts and the foreigner like love was the most important thing. He had compassion and sought justice like love was the most important thing. He interpreted scripture and he taught like love was the most important thing. And he stood in the face of the powers of religion and empire and gave everything like love was the most important thing. And like that love wins. And he invited us to the same thing, to let love be the engine of our seeking and the destination that we are looking to as well. And that changed everything. So in this series, we've been looking at some of the life revolution that happens when we seek to see love as the center of everything. And it's really transformative, I think, amidst this journey of faith, when we put love at the center of our seeking. Not answers or or facts first, but we put love at the heart of everything. So John Wesley, who, who began the Methodist movement in whose stream we stand today, said it this way. He said, religion is the love of God in our neighbor, that is, every person under heaven. This love ruling the whole life, animating all our tempers and passions, directing all our thoughts, words, and actions, that is pure religion and un." defiled. And he said this in 1757, that the heart of everything is love and to let it be the center of our lives. And wherever else our seeking leads us, it should lead us toward that end of growing in love of God and neighbor and ourselves. For me, that's so freeing to think that amidst this seeking, that the answers that we find are not lists, but love that that is the heart of our theology, of our life, of our walk with God. That if heaven seems like a place where Legos need to be in order for love to be there, then that's a good answer to give in our theology. It also means that our questions are doing their most powerful work in us when we let them lead us on to growing in love. So some of the first followers of Jesus, the community that gathered around the disciple John, wanted to pass on what they learned from him to others and to the next generation, the heart of this journey. And, and so amidst all the questions of life and faith and the future, um, they wrote down this description of the Jesus faith with love at its center and, and where they let their questions and their seeking lead them. And so this is what they wrote in 1 John four sixteen. You heard Shaley read this earlier. So we've, we've known and believe that love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. I want to read that again because it's so powerful to me. So we've, we've known and we believe the love that God has for us. On this journey of faith, the thing that we find along the way is that God loves you. 
and has love for you. That God is love. There's no wall to climb. There's no questions that you have to answer. There's no way to be that you are not. There's nothing that disqualifies you because you are loved with unqualified love in the depth of your spirit in everything you are, for everything you are. And in some way, the beginning of the journey, part of that journey is simply growing and knowing that and believing that. But even more, it says that no matter where we are in our journey, when we pursue love, we pursue God, that when we abide in love, we abide in God, and God abides in us. Think of the power of that, that God abides with us. But the center of this story is, is, is not rules. It's relationship. It's this presence abiding and with us on our journey. Even as we seek, God is with us. In the midst of our journey and our questions, God abides with us and in us. Even when we can't see, we are seen. Even when we don't know, we are known. Even when we can't hold it all, we're being held. That when we seek, God is seeking us with open arms, and that every step of the way, God is with us as close as our breath, abiding with us. That word abide is is such a beautiful word to me. And you may not know exactly what it means. I'm not sure I totally do either. Something like dwelling and living and being with us, staying and remaining, abiding, letting love be the center that centers us letting our relationship with God, with divinity and the sacred be the center that centers us. And those things that we think of when we hear abide. Depending on your, gen- your generation, you might also, of course, think of, of the dude when you hear the word abides. Um, you can think of that too, if you want to. Uh, that's from, for all you who don't know, that's from The Big Lebowski. It's a movie about bowling, um, really, is what it's about. <laughs> but abiding... Abiding can sound like stationary and static, but it's not that at all. It means to to continue. And continuing is to make an intentional choice, to continue to let our lives and our faith center around love. Amidst the questions, amidst the journey and the circumstance, to choose to center on love and let that be the engine and the life that we find, to continue on that path to seeking it more and being perfected in it more. And anyone who's really sought to love a friend or a partner or a kid, you know that love is not a static thing. It's a daily, hourly, minutely, secondly choice of continuing on the path of pursuing love. It's a path of growth and transformation that's heart-widening and sometimes it's heart-wrenching, but it's ever-expanding journey for us. And so for those early followers, as they pursued God, they pursued love at the center. It led them in heart-widening ways to new people and new experiences. It led to walls coming down and to them laying themselves down for the sake of those walls and to finding themselves and each other in deep and new ways. It was a journey of abiding in love. But on that journey of seeking, they found something more than any answer they ever imagined. They found what they began First John 4 with. They found that they, they've known and they believe the love that God has for us, that God is love. That's what they found, and it changes everything. For some of us, maybe we're getting to a place where we can say something like that too, that we know and we believe, at least on our best moments of our best days. 
But we're all on this path of seeking after that thing that is true, that God is love and that God loves you and invites you into a dynamic journey of being part of that love in this world. And when we seek that, we will find. For each of us on this journey, um, it's been different for us, the journey that's leading us along the way. And the faith that we'll find will look a little different too. It will be your own. And it won't look the same as it did when you were a kid or you were a youth. It'll be different. Um, But in some ways, it'll be the same at the heart of what we've always been seeking. But it'll be more resilient, more able to abide in all seasons. After all, that's what love grows in us. When you think about that, that closest friend or your partner right now um, and the love that you have for them, go ahead and smile if you want to. Someone in your life that you love deeply, um, think about the love that you share and how it's grown and how it's changed along the way. But it's been able to survive the twists and the turns, the big changes and the new realizations, the hard times. In some way, because of those things, the love you share grows and changes. It deepens. It widens. It gets more nuanced. It, it gets resilient. But the love grows. It's not the same as it was, but it's the same love. Love abides. It's resilient. And through love, our faith can have that same kind of resiliency. Be able to survive the twists and the turns and the hard times and the big changes and the new realizations. In some way, through those things, our faith changes and grows. It deepens and gets more nuanced. It's wider and it's more resilient. It's not the same as it was, but in some ways, at the heart of it all, it's the same of what we've always been seeking. That's what begins to grow in us when we seek and when we abide continually. And we seek to live from the place of the God who loves you and the God who invites us into that work of love in our world. And so I love that word, resilience. Uh, Resilience is the the ability to adapt well amidst adversity. In some ways, it's just the ability to keep going on this journey amidst this life. And above all, I want my faith, and I want our faith as a community, and I want my, my kids' faith to be resilient. All the questioning and all the journeying to find this resilient faith and hope and love for what is good, for God, for the sacred, for the neighbor, for ourselves. And so this week, I was thinking about the resiliency of trees, like you do, because I also want my kids to love trees and even hug them. Um, I think that's an important part of anyone's character. There's a powerful resilience that trees have. They can even survive the hug of a five-year-old and six-year-old. But it's not a resilience that comes from being impervious or being untouched by anything it faces, or by being perfect at all times, unchanging, and having all of the answers. That's the resilience that fake Christmas trees have. (laughs) And this one's from Ikea, too. This is a bona fide Scandinavian fake Christmas tree. Fake Christmas trees are there when you need them. You just take them out, you dust them up, you fluff them up, and they look the exact same as they did last year, or maybe in our childhood. The lights don't work, but the tree is impervious. 
You just have to dust it off and fluff it up. But that's not resilience. That's just preservation. Trying to preserve the old faith like a fake Christmas tree we keep pulling out doesn't work. But instead, a tree's true resilience comes from one thing. That amidst the obstacles and the undergrowth, a tree's resilience comes from the fact that it keeps growing toward the light. It keeps reaching toward the light. Wherever it's planted, whatever obstacles are in the way, whatever circumstances it faces or branches that break, it keeps reaching toward the light and it grows in that direction. And as it grows, it joins all of the other trees that are doing the exact same thing on their journey. Everyone is different, shaped different by life and circumstances, but everyone is beautiful. Every tree is shaped by its nature and its journey and experience, but all are shaped first and above all by reaching for the light. And in its reaching, in some way, it finds itself and it finds its full place in the canopy. And each one that finds its fullness is beautiful. In the same way, our faith can have that same resilience, that wherever we're planted, whatever our circumstances, whatever obstacles or experiences, whatever questions or quests, when we keep reaching toward the light, we keep seeking after love of all things, we keep seeking to love God even if we can't put it all together and love our neighbor and ask what it requires of us and even to love ourselves in the same way that we believe and know that God loves us. When we keep reaching for love, in all things, as the center of all things, you will grow and you will find yourself, your full place within the canopy. And so like a tree, put down some roots. Those things that root you in love, maybe it's part of being a faith community like this or your own practice and time that you spend with the sacred and with God. Maybe it's by being with friends who breathe life into your soul or just to spend time in the places and the ways that help you abide in love and be rooted and established there. Like a tree, have a strong core. Not do crunches. I mean, like, sure, whatever, if you can. (laughs) I'm not sure I can. But let the core of your faith be love. Know that amidst all of the questions, the one thing you know is that God is love and that those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. And think of faith. Read scripture through the lens of love. Act in our world through love. Respond to your neighbor in love. Respond to yourself in love. Let love be your strong core. Stay flexible. A tree's strength doesn't come through rigidity. It comes through flexibility. It moves and responds to the world around it. And so let your heart move. Let your ears listen. Let your mind change when it needs to change. Stay flexible. And finally, and most importantly, keep reaching for the light. There will be questions. There will be difficult things on this journey, no doubt. But don't stop on your journey. Keep seeking. Keep going. If you need to sit down for a little while in the middle of the trail, sit down and rest. 
But don't stay there in the midst of the difficulty forever. When you're ready to get up, keep going. Keep walking in and from and toward the love that is God. On my journey, there were questions that I thought would stop me, would end this faith journey. There were things that I thought I would never get beyond. And they shaped me and and they changed me. But they also taught me that my journey wasn't over and it isn't yet still. And invited me to put down some roots, to have a strong core, to stay flexible, but to above all, to keep reaching and seeking and going and pursuing and abiding in the light. For we know and we believe the love that God has for us. May we know it more. May we believe it more. May it be the core of who we are. For we know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Friends, you are loved. God is with you. Amidst all of the questions, amidst all of the uncertainty, and amidst especially the difficult things that we face and are facing, you are loved. And it is love that calls us forward in action, in faith, in hope, and in love. So journey on toward the light. And journey on through loving the world and the God and the self that is with you and around you and for you as you go. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, thank you for this invitation to seek. For this journey, you invite us on. God, thank you for a faith that isn't about lists or ledgers. It's not about answers or abstract propositions to get our heads around. That can help us. It can help us grow to think and think deeply. But what you seek in us is a heart that loves and that loves deeply. May we be people who choose continually, daily, amidst this journey to seek after love to abide in love. For those of us on the trail who are sitting down, taking a break, God, give us rest for our spirit, rejuvenation. Give us time, give us peace. But most of all, God, give us you. And let us find in you the strength to keep on this journey in love, toward love, with love, and for love. We pray all of this in the God, to the God who abides in us. May we abide in you. We pray this in your name.